How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I am Anthony Irwin. I am joined, as always, by Harrison Fagan. Uh, seemingly, as always, we're talking after a Lakers loss. <laughs> and Lakers haven't won a game this year, I don't think. I, I like in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds about right. It feels like it. Yeah. It kind of it kind of seems like it just with the topics of discussion that well, I was thinking the other day about how we had a podcast. We had multiple podcasts earlier this year. Could the maker Lakers make the playoffs? <laughs> Is Luke Walton head coach of the year and other hopeful things like that? And Nick then, Young, I, most uh, most improved player, Lou Williams, six man of the year. Yeah, basically stuff like that. And then now we're the, the our last podcast was who should the Lakers draft if they keep their top three pick? <laughs> and let's talk about tanking. Yep. Yeah. And then today is going to be let's talk about Julius Randle. But before we get to that, make sure everybody's following the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Make sure you're using the promo code LO Lakers for SeatGeek and Mac Weldon. And Lakers ten for betdsi.com. Uh, basically, it's going to be a, a, a not a two part pro, uh, podcast. Nobody needs two parts to talk about this uh, game, but we are going to have I a need you a <laughs> a dual subject podcast. It's going to be pretty straightforward. We're going to talk about whether or not the Lakers should should change up their starting lineup, and we're going to talk about Julius Randle. And uh, basically, this is one of those podcasts where we're just going to we just turned on the mics and said go. So Harrison, we'll start. Should the Lakers change up their starting lineup? Well, it's tough to say right now because Russell is out, and I think that while Russell is out, they definitely should consider it. And it's also tough because the two big free agent signings that they had have been just so irredeemably bad for the most part. They just they haven't been good. I mean, Luol Dang has had stretches where he's been good. Mozgov has a game here or there where he seems to be helpful, but for the most part, they just they haven't really helped and they're young players now at both of those positions that need minutes. And I I mean, Ingram's leading the Lakers in minutes, so it's not like he's not getting minutes, but it would be nice to see him out there with the starters and with the other young guys. I also wouldn't be opposed to just starting Clarkson for as long as Russell's out because I don't think that Calderon getting guys into the offense is 
valuable enough to make up for his defensive deficiencies on most nights. I think the the where we erred by talking about how effective he was against Dallas was that Dallas just doesn't really have a point guard to take advantage of him. Yeah, when it was kind of funny because I I tweeted out after Mike Trudell uh, broke the news that Jose Calderon would be starting tonight. I quote tweeted it and I said, "All right, Team Tank is rolling. We got we got this thing going." And people were like, "Well, no, he was pretty good against Dallas. He was all right." And I was like, "You guys realize that Jose Calderon is going to be guarding Damian Lillard, right?" Yeah, and like even the corpse of Darren Williams had a pretty good game against Jose Calderon. Yeah, so. Uh, I wanted to talk really quickly, and this is, again, this we just turned on the mics, and, and sometimes this is going to happen. We're going to go on quick tangents. But you mentioned Luol Deng, and you mentioned Timothy Mozgov. Over the next four years, they're, they're going to be making a combined $136 million. And we talked— Did you just—that sound you heard was everybody turning off this podcast by throwing their phone at a wall. <laughs> uh <laughs> the next podcast will be brought to you by Apple, um, but it, it won't be brought to you by Apple. If you guys broke your phones, that's on you. But, <laughs> but I, hold on a second. Did you really just give a disclaimer that we are not responsible for broken phones? <laughs> Man, people get sued for dumb stuff nowadays. Ask yeah, that's a good point. We 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 see it, it, it. Hey, we aren't telling you guys to smash your phones, but if you want to, I won't stop you. <laughs> But uh, so they're making a combined hundred and thirty-six million dollars over the next four years, and this year it's been so it's been kind of tough. And I, I do think that as more contracts are handed out in this new era, uh, you're gonna you're gonna get a lot more relative poor value, right? So like the Lakers just tonight played Evan Turner, and he's another value contract that that we're looking at right now and you're saying oh my god the total amount of money on that contract is a disaster right especially for a team like portland that there is no other way to really improve their roster because they have so much guaranteed contract money going out the lakers at least they can still get better so long as the kids continue to to get better like i don't think it's even close for the next three to five years which team is in a better spot between the Blazers and the Lakers I it's not even remotely close in my opinion but what I wanted the, the reason I, I brought up the, the contracts here and it was because so last the last show I wasn't here because the power on my hill went out completely but we talked about the last show that I was on the city spent so much on Dang and Mozgov that they can't afford <laughs> to power the the hills out in La Habra yeah so the last time I was on we talked about Jim Buss and what tanking does to his likelihood of sticking around, and Mitch Kupchak is is kind of grouped into that thing too. Those contracts look bad, you know. And if and if you're and if breaking, you're, well, right. Well, if you're evaluating those these the situation as far as whether or not Jim Bush Jim Bush should should stick around, you're kind of looking at those contracts combined with the fact that the Lakers are yet again tanking, and you're saying. Oh man, what's going on here? You know, and and it's kind of it, the the case for keeping Jim Buss around is is getting harder to make. Yeah, I, I I don't think that you're wrong, and I mean those guys being so bad combined with their injury histories almost makes you think that like really you should just try and start the young guys over them, kind of get like 
shut them down or drastically minimize their playing time and just kind of hope that maybe they can like get healthy and give you something in like the, over the next couple of years. But right now they just really aren't giving the Lakers very much. No, uh, no. And, and the, the Lakers don't need them to. They're, they're, they're out of the playoff race. I know they're like technically like five and a half games out and that's cute, but they like, they've now lost three in a row to Portland. They aren't going to pass them for the eighth seed. They aren't going to pass some of these other teams for the eighth seed. It, it's, they they just need to play these young guys, and if they win some games and don't keep their pick, then great. That means that the young guys played well. And if they do, if they lose enough to keep their pick, then also great. They have another young asset. Right. So that brings us back to the point of whether or not the Lakers should change up their starting lineup. And traditional thought is that they would, you know, stick to the veterans. Lou Deng is making seventy-two million dollars over the next four years. Dang, uh, Mozgov making sixty-four of those over the next four years. And you think if you're the Lakers, you do not want to upset the locker room by by you know paying these guys all kinds of money and then having them sit uh for whatever reason or not start when they're healthy yeah but, but mozgov gets hit in the face every day just tell him he has a concussion should should the lakers bring on a goon just to hit mozgov no the they don't need to i mean we've 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 seen it in games and we've heard it that he gets he gets hit with a ball like in the face like three times a day Imagine, imagine that meeting with with Mitch and Mozgov. Like, just picture it. Like, all right, Timo. Well, we got a an outdated report about what's going on in your melon, and we're concerned that maybe you should sit down for a little while. Well, I I don't I don't know what in in Russia ball hit self. Well, Timo, see that's that's what I'm talking about. You don't sound like you're all there. Tell the truth. <laughs> Scene. Uh, that was the worst bit we've ever done. I apologize <laughs> to everyone. It's been one of those. Look, this is what the Lakers season does to us. Um, when when they start losing the way they've been losing, but. But yeah, I, I I would say so. If you were to, to be make... clear, only the last impression was me. If anybody wants to get mad about those, <laughs> just saying. If there was a if there was one guy then that you would put into the into the starting lineup, then would it be would it be Black in for for Mozgov? Would it be Zubats in for Mozgov? Would it be Ingram in for Dang? If there was one move, and let's let's talk about this with everybody healthy, because with with Calderon in there, like this isn't the usual starting lineup. Honestly, I'd like to see what Russell and Zubats can do together out of pick and rolls and things like that, because Zubats has shown such like such he he's setting such solid screens and getting his uh, getting everyone so open that even Lou Williams is setting him up for plays. Like, if you're open enough that rolling to the basket that Lou Williams is like, here, I'm going to drop this ball off to you instead of shooting, then you're doing a pretty good job. And I, I'd say Russell is a little bit more of a willing passer even than Lou, and so I'd like to see those two together. But I am an, I guess I should just say I'm an admitted Zubat stan, so <laughs> tell, tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> 
All right, so I would probably go with Black in the starting lineup before Zubots, uh, because I I like the energy that Black provides. I so do I. It, I I think Black is like I I was leading the charge for Black to play more last year. And 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 when I watch those starters, like especially today, where you have Calderon is seventy seven years old, Dang is one hundred and thirty five, Mozgov moves like he was born in BC times, like. The the starting lineup just looks so methodical, so frankly boring. Like the Lakers suck anyway, so just at least get guys in there that are going to be entertaining for people to watch. And we know what Calderon is capable of. Like I, I Ireland was on and 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 he made a great case for why Calderon is great to have on the bench and stuff. But frankly, like I'd be all right if they if they told Calderon, hey, go be the playmaker that LeBron is begging for. LeBron is calling to you, Jose. <laughs> go to him. LeBron sending DMs to Jose Calderon, like you up? <laughs> yeah, he sent a DM to Jose Calderon while Nate Robinson asked him on Instagram, and it's like, hey, come sign me. I'm still I'm still alive. I'm still around. I'd Le- love to play for you. LeBron's telling Nate. LeBron's telling Nate new at who this while he's DMing Jose Calderon. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I guess so. My thing is, and you mentioned it, you alluded to it earlier when you brought up, you know, getting the kids more minutes and and changing the starting lineup. And and I would say go with a full kid starting lineup. And it's not even like it, it's it's somewhat merit based at this point, at least against yeah. Portland, it would have been. And again, there we always have to give this qualifier. There's a lot of noise in single game plus minus. But against Portland, not only were the starters outscored 86 to 27, Good which is Lord. insane, but Mozgov was a minus 13 while Zubats was a plus 13. Yeah. That's a 26-point disparity. There, there's noise in that, but it's it's indicative and it is reflective of how much better Zubats was while he was out there. And, I, I mean, if you get into the net ratings, it's it's even worse. So Mozgov was a negative 47 tonight <laughs> against the Blazers. Uh, Julius Randle, negative 26.3. Calderon, 20. Dang, Dang actually usually does better in these metrics than I thought he was. He was only a negative 14.7. You want to know where Zubats was? Team high, 20.6. Yeah. Zubats, Next could... closest was Lou Williams with 5.2. In that, and this was Zubats. So sometimes when there's there, there's a difference between, you know, the, the analytical thing and, the, and there's a religious battle between the analytical movement and the eye test, right? And tonight the eye test told me Zubats is playing well, but it looks like the game is kind of fast for him, right? And yeah, he... and like we we could also, I mean, we can talk about small sample sizes too with Zubats or whatever, but tonight he was that much better and he played 27 minutes and 40 seconds, fourth most on the team of anyone. Yeah. So, so all right, so your ideal starting lineup, everybody healthy. I'll I'll start this. So I'll do I'll I'd say my ideal starting lineup would be D'Angelo Russell. You know what? I'm gonna go weird. D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, uh no, D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, <laughs> Brandon Ingram, Julius Ren- no, Larry Nance and and Ivica Zubots. That's what I'd okay. like to see. That's interesting. 
I don't know. I'm torn here because part of me does want to go with Nance, but I also like what he brings to the bench, and I think it's almost more valuable as a bench player. Well, but I also think, though, if— And I think that—I mean, Randall was bad against the Blazers, but you're always so quick to get on a gondola and write him off. (laughs) But I just—he has too many games where he looks so good— for me to just say, I think that he should be coming off the bench. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about Randall here in a second because that is a conversation in and of itself. <clears throat> and and for those who are going to be quick to jump in my mentions and say this, we had been planning on having a Julius Randall conversation at some point, a la the the D'Angelo Russell one that we had a while back. It just so happened that there's so little to talk about that we wanted to start it. And if it gets a conversation going and we want to get even more depth in in depth in it. Great, but we're going to talk about Julius Randle in a second. It's not just because, oh, Randle is bad, and now Anthony wants to talk about Julius Randle because he played poorly against Portland. That's not what's going on. That's what I was assuming, so I guess I'll stay out of your mentions too. (laughs) Thanks. So we agree on D'Angelo Russell. Do we agree on Jordan Clarkson in the starting lineup? No, I, I almost think I almost think you got to go young just because of that floor spacing that he provides. That's better than Clark. That's better than Clarkson. And you know, I'm all for playing the young guys and what. And there is an argument. I think the argument you for Clarkson me a little more bit there. You because you're like you got to go young. Huh. I was like, oh, oh, I see what you mean. All right, go ahead. No, I mean, I I think. So from like a basketball perspective, you'd want to go with young. And there's an argument to be made there that he'd put those young guys in a better six position to succeed than Clarkson would right now and there is value in that but there's also value in figuring out if Clarkson and Russell can play together at all long term because we've barely gotten to see that so either it just went really bad over the summer when it was happening or Luke Walton just is kind of opposed to it he doesn't think it can work and you know it didn't work amazing last year when they were out there so there's reason to think that, but I think that we should figure out once and for all whether or not those guys to play together. So uh, talking through this out now, out loud, I think I, I guess I'll go Clarkson just to see if it works, mm-hmm. and then Ingram small forward, Randall power forward, and Zubats at center. I kind of like the so if you're gonna go with well, it doesn't really matter because it's not like either Young or Clarkson create all that much for everybody else on the court for him, right? So. There's, I, there, I think both of them forgot how to pass. <laughs> their, their, their PlayStation controller button, that X button, just doesn't work anymore. I hate it when that happens. Uh, so I agree on we, – we seem to agree on most of the things. The Randall Nance thing we'll get to here in a second. But And, and, I, and I talked about it earlier, but – Laker fans need to see these kids together so that, that you know, the, the, the second half of this year, or the, what's left of the second half of this year, should be spent on doing whatever the Lakers can do to get these kids front and center so that fans can, can figure out how they really feel about these guys. Because, frankly, I don't, I won't even blame for people for feeling like, what are we actually looking for? You know what are we what are we actually looking at when we're looking at these kids, you know? And um throwing, you know, throwing rookies out into into uh bloody waters with sharks. 
probably isn't the best way for for things to develop but i would also say i think that, that's the former coach's coaching method is just chumming the water and throwing the rookies in and seeing who survives i think that was the plan he presented going into the offseason for training and that's when lakers were like ah, i think we got to get rid of this guy <laughs> like d'angelo might die i'm not <laughs> sure he's kidding <laughs> that's the thing like, he was it wasn't a metaphor with him it was yeah. it wasn't symbolic at all it was a bitch i want you to understand i literally want to chum the water and throw them in there if you can't swim with the shark you can't dissect an nba defense <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball <laughs> uh but I, I don't know. Do, do you understand where I'm coming from here? Where I think fans want to see these kids. It's like for me when I when I look at on the on the on the court and I see lineups where it's four or five young guys together, I play extra close attention to what's going on. And it's it's somewhat subconscious, but it's not all the way subconscious because I feel myself aware of it while I'm doing it. But. I do find myself paying a little bit more attention and being a little bit more excited when those lineups are are, are successful because this is the future of the Lakers. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think most fans would probably feel that way. And those are the guys that the Lakers should be trying to figure out if they're the future. Yeah, so... That's where we're coming from. And Luke Walton said tonight that if Zubats continues to play this well, he's going to continue to be in the rotation. I wrote this week that, you know, I don't get any sense that he's going to be back with the defenders as long as he's like playing with the Lakers at all. Yeah. No, I think his days with the defenders. Because there's just no point. I mean, he should. I think his days with the defenders are probably done. He's a done fender. <laughs> do, do you get it? Yeah, get... I got it. Oh, okay, cool. Just making sure because you didn't laugh. I thought it was that joke. That joke went south <laughs> to the bay really fast. <laughs> there you go. Only like five people will get the joke you just made. Yeah, that's fine. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about Julius Randle. And I'm going to start the conversation. Twitter certainly is right now as we record this. It's another. It's another night, and as friend of the show Scott Chasen likes to say, sometimes you're just working on a podcast, and then all of a sudden Julius Randle's career is in the balance. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the best thing about Lakers Twitter, and it's certainly happening tonight. All right, so I'll let you before I start because I'll get on a roll and convince myself of anything. I want you to tell me where the more even keeled fans are coming from when it comes to Randall. So I th- I think. This stuff, like when you see him get a triple double, or you see him have a game where he's just kind of stuffing the box for. Maybe he doesn't have a triple double, but he's one of the best young rebounders in the league. His he's really he has a really solid handle for such a big guy. He's getting better at finishing around the rim. Although tonight wasn't really an exemplary night for him in that fashion. But he's getting better at finishing at the rim despite his kind of lack of wingspan that everybody likes to talk about and his lack of a right hand that nobody would reference if he was just right hand dominant. And I think he's really, really dangerous in transition. He's become a better defender when he's locked in. He's never going to be like an all world defender or be on any of the NBA all defense teams or, you know, he's not going to be Tony Allen first team all defense or anything like that. He's not going to be Draymond Green in that respect for a guy that everybody always compares him to is is green. And I just don't think that Randall's ever going to approximate Green's value on the defensive end. But that said, 
if he's a poor man's version of Green, which at times he's looked a lot like, that's still a pretty good player, and that's a starting caliber player. Well, it depends on how poor that man is. Yeah. You know, like if it's a homeless it man's... depends on that. Yeah, if it's, if it's a homeless man's dog's dream on Green, then it's technically still, you know... <laughs> still kind of fits that category. But, all right, so... Here's where I'm coming from on on Randall, and this is where I'll start the conversation, and then we'll see where we'll see how I feel at the end of this thing. Because I'm like everybody else; I don't know what a lot of these kids might turn out to be, and I can understand for a lot of people where that frustration sets in, like why that frustration starts setting in. Because at this point, with somebody like Julius Randall, who is now in his third year, now technically it's his second year, but we're now a year and a half, more than a year and a half into the Julius Randle experience. And, and we're saying, what is this guy? You know, who might this guy meet? Who might this guy be? I think when it comes to Randall, when he's playing really well, there are things that he does that you have to be really watching for to, to notice that he's doing. For example, when he's playing really well and he's getting the ball off of the glass, dribbling in transition and dribbling into a teammate, a shooter's defender to hand off the ball, set a solid screen. And that shooter comes off and hits a three pointer. That's something that most NBA fans are going to look at the shooter in that situation, right? They're going to look at the person hitting the three and say, Oh yeah, Clarkson's shooting the ball really well today, but they didn't watch the play that just trans transpired that opened that three up. And that was basically all Julius Randle in, in such cases, right? Yeah, and he has a strong dribble, so he's actually a threat on those dribble handoffs that defenses have to pay attention to. And then the other thing is when he's successful individually offensively, it tends to be so brutish that it doesn't really look good. He's not dunking over anybody anytime soon. He's not that kind of player. Yeah, no, I I had somebody tweeting at me tonight. I'm sick of him laying the ball up all the time. Stop it with that cutesy crap. I want to see you dunk. And it's like, that's just not who he is as a player. I don't think it's like a lot. Like, I don't think that it's that Julius Randle does not intuitively understand how to dunk. I think that he's just not like he's more of a layup guy around the rim. He just doesn't get up there to really have the confidence that he can jam it. Lamar Odom was a layup guy. And I don't think people really complained about him when he won six man of the year and, and, and won a championship or won a couple championships with the Lakers. Um, Not to say that, Julius is Lamar. They aren't. They're they're both tall and left-handed, but that's about it. Um, but when it when it comes to Randall, and the flip side to the point that I was making earlier was when he's playing really well, it takes a more nuanced eye to understand what he's doing to play so well, right? But when he's playing poorly, it's so obvious that he's playing poorly, right? Because he's missing those quote unquote cutesy layups. Yeah. Or because he's 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 slow on a rotation, or because he's turning the ball over, or because he can't hit an outside shot, right? Those things are so obviously bad compared to the uh, what it would take a trained eye to see what he does on the on the plus side. That it's really easy to jump on Randall and say, "Oh, this guy's just never going to be any good." And I don't think that's fair to Randall. I think that's more an indictment of the fan than it is of Randall's actual game. Sure, I'd so, agree with that. So that's so that's where I'll start. That's where I'll I'll kind of start this conversation. With all of that said, 
the same questions that I had to start the year are kind of there. Now, Randall played really well for a good portion of the year, well enough for Zach Lowe to say that he really likes him. And if Zach Lowe says he likes you, chances are you're doing something good. Guaranteed Hall of Famer. Yeah. But I still wonder in that I'd like to see soon whether or not Larry Nance Jr. fits better with the starters because he doesn't require the ball as much as Julius Randle does. We, we've said it earlier. We've said it earlier on this very show that D'Angelo Russell looks best when the ball is in his hand more than it is not. Right. And when he's running yeah. a pick and roll and when you're going to have if like you talked about having Evita Zubats in the starting lineup with D'Angelo Russell. Then you want those guys to be in the pick and roll as much as possible and having D, uh, Julius Randle out there when he can't space the floor. Doesn't serve that pick and roll very well. Yeah, but he's still proven this year to be a good secondary playmaker. Uh, especially in semi-transition. I do think that there uh, maybe in half-court sets he doesn't offer as much value, but I think for the way that the Lakers try to play, he still it offers plenty. Yeah. Yeah, and and look, saying so when I say that I'd like to see Larry Nance Jr. in the starting five, it it's not meant as an indictment of Randall. It's me wanting to see what the Lakers have at their disposal with all of these guys at this point the Lakers shouldn't be focused at all on winning games they should be focused on figuring out what exactly they have with each of these players individually and the players that they have moving forward collectively and in that case it'd be nice to see Larry Nance Jr. more with the starters kind of uh, but again I I think that you know, if you're moving Randall to the bench this early, then uh, I just don't. I just can't see the Lakers doing that. Well, it, would it would it be would it count as moving him to the bench necessarily? If you're just kind of saying, "Hey, Julia," and and here's the other is thing. he coming off the bench? <laughs> because if he is, then I think it counts. I don't think it's a black and white kind of thing. I think if Luke, goes... I feel like whether or not you're a starter or a bench player is fairly black and white. I think it's written in literal black and white on the box scores. <laughs> but I feel like if if Luke goes to Julius and says, "Hey, we're going to try out Nance," so like the 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 knock on the previous coach was that he didn't have these conversations, right? He never told anybody as it was going on. <laughs> He took it a step further. He said nobody had earned the right to talk to him, right? <laughs> so they so, they hadn't. Hey, to be fair, how many rings did they have? That's that's a very exactly solid point. Solid point. You, I lost my train of thought. Oh, but if if Luke goes to Julius Randall and says, "Hey, I this this isn't me taking your actual starting spot away." I'm it's... just bringing you off the bench in favor of somebody else starting there. <laughs> I'm just going to – I want to see what we have for the next few games with Larry Nance Jr. with the starters. We want to see what that looks like. I feel like Julius would kind of have to say, okay, yeah. I mean, I think if Luke did that, frankly, I, I don't know that he'd care what Julius had to say. I think he's tried to make that pretty clear through the media this year that he's just going to do what he's going to do. And if the players are upset with it, him, that's fine. And like he, he welcomes them and he would like them to fight him on it and show why he's wrong. 
But, I, I mean, there was that stuff earlier this year where he would really get on Julius at practice and Julius would get mad and Luke would tell him, I don't care if you're mad at me, but do you understand why I was getting on you? Yeah. And so I think there's, like, better communication there, I would say. But ultimately, if he decides that he wants to start Nance, which, again, I don't really see him doing. I think they like Randall with the starters. But if he did decide to start Nance over Randall, if Randall was upset about it, I think Luke's position would be you have to deal with this. Yeah. I, no, I, I don't think it would be one of those things that, like, if he went to that and talked to Julius about it, he could be talked out of the situation. But I do think talking to Julius would serve some good there. Yeah, I agree. And it wouldn't be taking somebody's actual starting job to try something out for a few games. That's not those aren't those aren't the same thing. Well, would Julius still be coming off the bench? <laughs> I will punch you through my computer. <laughs> because I'm in that case I'm pretty sure he lost his starting spot. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm going to have to check with the NBA on this one. Oh, boy. All right. So uh, do you have anything else to add on, on the Julius thing? I rambled for quite a bit. I, rambled I mean, the on only thing that I'd add is that he's improved as a player. He's he's basically improved in every single area from last year. I don't think that we know where his ceiling is. And I think that there's definitely an argument to keep him there in that starting unit. I, I don't I just I don't think that he's been the problem. I think there are times where he has bad games, sure, but I don't think he's been their biggest issue. I think he's been a really big part of whatever success that they've had this year, and I don't think that he, frankly, really deserves to lose his starting spot. But he isn't. I mean, would he be coming off the bench? <laughs> this, uh, this is also this, we, this has been a bad podcast for new bits. We're going to have to come up with new stuff to replace this other new stuff. <laughs> But like you know, like he's improved his assist ratio from last year by almost ten percent. So like he's become better at making plays, and his usage, like his usage rate, like he he's barely turning the ball over more. He's shooting more efficiently. I just he's finishing at the rim better. I just think that there's enough stuff that he's doing that it's not quite time to bench him yet because he played badly against Portland. I know that's not what you're saying. I just wanted to troll you. <laughs> We're going to have to end this podcast before I, I, I go to Harrison's house and, and wrap him around a pole or something. Meet me in Temecula. <laughs> it's way out of the way for both of us. Yeah, that's true. All right, so this was uh, this was another edition of the Locked on Lakers podcast. We reacted. We I mean, we didn't spend too much time on, on the Blazers game. There wasn't really much to take away from it. They, they Breaking sh- news. The Lakers can't guard any guards on any team ever. So, well, they lost. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, breaking news, the Lakers lost. So, uh, the Lakers play tomorrow, or by the time everybody's listening to this, they will play tonight against the Utah Jazz. Yet another tough matchup. Uh, it is tough to see the Lakers winning back-to-back against that team. But you never know. On the road, no less. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> That's gonna be a, that's gonna be a tough one probably, but you know, good luck to them. Yeah. Uh, shouts to Julius Randle. I I'm not hoping that he loses his starting spot. I just want to see what the other what Nance would be able to do with the other starting. Julius, spot. Julius, if you're listening to this, I think you deserve to keep your spart- starting spot. You can just join D'Angelo and block Anthony on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening. We will talk to everybody tomorrow. 
If you're listening still, make sure you're following the show on Audioboom, <laughs> iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher in today's fast break. Use those promo codes, LO Lakers for uh, SeatGeek and Mac Weldon. Use Lakers10 for BetDSI.com. Again, we'll talk to everybody tomorrow. Thank you, Harrison, for, for joining in, uh, given this late hour. And, uh, and yeah, everybody have a good day.